Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome everyone to episode 49 of True Blue Crime. My name's Sean and with me as always is my co-host Chloe. How are you? Good, good, good to be back and despite rumours, it wasn't a standoff over you wearing a robe (laughs) or or not. (laughs) Although I don't see the other, but you know what I mean. (laughs) We're we're back. Was that the rumour, was it? Well, yes, Chris, one of our um, (laughs) very... Um, strong advocates was suggesting that that might be it. <laughs> no, no. You actually, I think the delay was because you were off seeking uh, all of your beauty treatments post-lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> what I do in my own time. <laughs> no, uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't that, but uh, <laughs> it was just life itself, I think, which is nice yep. to be able to say that because it kind of feels like there hasn't Hasn't been a lot of that lately, so um, true. Uh, getting back to a little bit of uh, normality, somewhat. Still can't get on on the beers though, according to uh, Daniel Andrews. Chloe, no, it's not time for the beers. A meal and a drink is fine for now. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, we've got some uh, more Patreon supporters this week. Yes, thank you so much, and welcome to Simon Walker, Marita McCarthy, Jack Riley, Diana Cabesis, Ben, Chris Carey, Nicole Samo. John Chisholm, Wayne Jones, Jay Hilderson and Courtney Erickson. Thanks for the support, everyone. Much appreciated. Today we're talking about quite the mystery and it's an interesting one for a number of reasons. Firstly, aside from one element of this tale where charges were ultimately dropped, there's actually no crime that takes place, which is strange for us to cover something like this, but it's the speculation around the reason for what occurred, you know, where we start to get into that territory. This tale is about the Trump family from the little eastern Melbourne suburb of Sylvan, and the interesting road trip that the family of five went on back in 2016. And we're going to kick things off on the family's 18-acre red currant farm on August the 30th, 2016, when police arrived at the residence to find, well, nothing really, 51-year-old Mark Tromp, his wife 53-year-old Jacoba or Kobe, and their three adult children, 29-year-old Rihanna, 25-year-old Mitchell and 22-year-old Ella, had simply vanished, with no clue as to why or where they might have gone. And as time went on, 
the police's search for the family would yield even stranger results, results with questions which remain unanswered to this day. The impressive homestead on the 18-acre red current farm was silent, the doors unlocked, unusual as it was coming into the busy season. The usual sleepy hollow of Sylvan had an uneasy feeling about it as police entered the house and discovered the family's passports, mobile phones and bank cards, alongside piles of financial and business documentation. Outside, the vehicles were still present, keys in all of the ignitions, Not particularly strange in a rural setting, but one car was gone, that of the youngest, Ella. Her silver Peugeot was missing. Had the Tromps left in it, taking little more than the clothes on their backs and perhaps some cash? It would become apparent that they had, and before the burning question became why, the police first had to figure out where. Sylvan is a rural town in Melbourne's outer east. It's about 40 kilometres from Melbourne CBD and it's part of the Yarra Ranges Shire, the famous Yarra Valley region. It's sort of at the foothills of the Dandenong Ranges by and large. Back at this time in 2016, there was around 1,250 residents. So it's not particularly populous, uh, but it's very much a farming area. Rich red soils in Sylvan that are ripe for growing fruits, vegetables, flowers. There's heaps of orchards, nurseries and pick-yourself berry farms. And indeed, that's the type of thing that the Tromp family had. They had what was said to be a red currant farm. Sylvan has this hybrid blackberry too called a sylvanberry, so I wonder if uh, if the Tromps actually grew these. Uh, I know this cloak because I actually lived, as you know, in the neighbouring suburb of Yellingbow, which is about 10 or 15 minutes away from the uh, Tromp farm. My wife and I had a small hobby farm of our own back at this time in that area. We occasionally ventured into Sylvan a couple of times for the the famous annual tulip festival the town has, the Tesla Tulip Festival. This is uh, probably the biggest annual attraction in the area. It has about 100,000 people I would visit this festival each year. Uh, we went on Dutch Day, Chloe, to smash plates of poffages. <laughs> yeah, no shortage of Dutch things in Sylvan. And uh, this is close to home for both of us, Sean. My husband works in a suburb close by in one of the wholesale nurseries we mentioned before too. Mm. The Trump family may have also gone to the Tulip Festival when they weren't busy working on their farm. And the family business was a successful one. All of the three kids, two of whom were still living at home, worked seven days a week on the family farm. The family also ran a successful earth-moving business, which was probably more active over the winter months as the summer months required full berry attention. The Tromps were locals and had moved from nearby Macclesfield at around 2006. They'd been running a farm successfully to this point, supplying their red currants to major supermarkets such as Coles and Woolworths. As the dormant winter months were now coming to an end, the Tromps would be starting to ramp things up coming into spring, being the end of August. Yeah, so they were fertilising, irrigating. Now, this was the busy period just beginning, really. Uh, the Tromps were a busy family, and with all that hustle, you know, they were obviously trying to better their lot in life and were undertaking some major renovations at the home at this time too. 
So we got a pretty good picture of what appears to be a regular working class family, salt of the earth locals, good suburban people. And this is where things get weird. After a weekend of work on Monday the 29th of August 2016, the entire family, all five of the Tromps, hopped into Alice Silver Peugeot station wagon and took off, driving towards New South Wales. They left behind their red current farm in Sylvan and for all intents and purposes, fled, leaving behind their phones, bank cards, passports and the uh, piles of financial and business documents, which we covered in the intro. About 32 kilometres into their road trip, this was nearby the town of Warburton, Mitchell threw his mobile phone out of the window. This is the only mobile phone that had been taken by the family and it was said that they had feared it could be tracked, so that's why it was disposed of. So Mitchell had taken his phone, the family wanted it gone, so he was seemingly not suffering from the same concerns as the rest of his family. The following morning, around 7am, when the family were near to Bathurst in a suburb named Kelso, Mitchell packed up stumps and left the family, catching a train to Sydney and then back to Melbourne. So this was some hike. Bathurst is around 800 kilometres away from the Tromps family home in Sylvan, and that would have taken them a good eight hours drive to get there. What transpired in this first leg of the family road trip, we don't know. We don't know what was said, what stops they made, and again, the overarching reason as to why they had made the trip. What we do know is that Mitchell had apparently become frustrated by his parents' paranoia and presumably lack of explanation surrounding that. He'd had enough, felt like he had to go with them initially, but, you know, it just got to that point He decided to hoof it to the train station and left his folks and two sisters to continue on. But this wouldn't be the first and only schism in the family during this bizarre road trip. This is the following day now on the Tuesday, the 30th, so presumably the family has stayed someplace overnight. With Mitchell on a V-line running back down south perpendicular to the Hume, his sisters Rihanna and Ella continued on with their folks Mark and Kobe to the Janolan Caves, and this is near the Blue Mountains, where Lynn Dawson apparently joined a cult all those years ago, Chloe. But the Tromps went there to find Lynn. In fact, we don't exactly know why they were there at all. Mark and Kobe wouldn't hang around there for too long, but Rihanna and Ella even less. They quickly made the decision to steal a car while in the area and proceeded to drive south towards Goulburn. Once they hit Goulburn, the two sisters then went their separate ways. Ella put her foot down and continued back home, presumably in this stolen vehicle she'd acquired, taking the eight-hour drive back to Sylvan so she could tend to her horses. Rihanna, meanwhile, was discovered later that afternoon in the back of some bloke's ute in Goulburn, trying to hitch a ride, seemingly. The driver, a fellow named Keith Whitaker, later said to the Goulburn Post that he'd been driving for several kilometres when he felt a kick in the back of his seat. He said, I turned around and saw two legs stretched across the back between my seat and the floor. She was lying on the floor. I got an extreme shock. He further went on to describe Rihanna as being in a catatonic state, which means she was kind of immobile and in a stupor of sorts. Rihanna couldn't give Keith any personal details whatsoever, didn't know her name or location, nothing. Keith phoned the police and Rihanna was taken to Goulburn Hospital where she was put under observation and treated for what the papers said was a stress-related issue. So this is really where police got the first whiff of this bizarre road trip and Mark and Kobe Tromp were subsequently reported missing that afternoon when Rihanna was hospitalised. Police attended the Tromp's Sylvan farm and found a strange scene we described in the intro. 
phones, passports, bank cards, financial documents strewn about, all cars there except for Ella's Peugeot. Then Ella arrived home that evening in the stolen car. And while we don't know the details of what she discussed with police, we can safely assume between her and Mitchell's arrival home the following morning, so this being Wednesday the 31st of August now, that police would have had a few gaps filled in the lease. Not many gaps got filled in, though, as both Ella and Mitchell were really unable to explain why the family had gone on the road trip in the first place. They were able to explain where they'd gone to to that point prior to splitting from their parents, but not provide much insight into the why, essentially just as confused upon their arrival home as they were leaving just a couple of days earlier. Police headed up searches at the Janolan Caves to try and find Mark and Kobe Tromp, but they found no sign of them. That in itself could have been quite the task for police as the Janolan Caves is a massive area, huge limestone caves in a World Heritage-listed conservation reserve over 30 square kilometres of area. But Mark and Kobe had moved on already, with their kids Ella and Mitchell now back home and Rihanna in hospital following her ride in the back of Keith Whittaker's ute. Kobe and Mark came back down across the Victorian border and holed up in the town of Wangaratta. They wouldn't stay together for long before parting ways, with Kobe jumping on public transport and travelling north again through New South Wales up to the suburb of Yass. Mark, meanwhile, remained in Wangaratta with the Silver Peugeot. That evening, a young couple in Wangaratta who were out and about playing Pokemon Go were tailgated by a man in a Silver Peugeot station wagon. They pulled over and the driver of the Peugeot got out of the car ran towards them and stopped in the middle of the road suddenly and just stared blankly back at the couple. What they were thinking at this point is anyone's guess. They were probably shit scared. But this guy just simply turned away and walked off into the night towards nearby Merowa Park. And this man was said to have been Mark Tromp. Thursday, the 1st of September, and Mitchell Tromp, seemingly in a normal state of mind, but unable to shed any light on the bizarre set of current circumstances, appeared on Channel 9 with police at his side, requesting public assistance to locate his mum and dad. Yeah, it's uh, pretty tough times. Uh, Nothing I've sort of ever dealt with before, but um, I've had a lot of family support um, around me lately, and um, yeah, hopefully some good comes out of this and my dad will come home and be safe and well. Can you shine any light on or perhaps explain why he may not want to be found? scared that people are after him. He's, he's not in a good state of mind. So Mitchell mentioned some people who his father thought were after them. Uh, who those people were was the million-dollar question and remains so to this day. We simply don't know that. Mitchell couldn't explain the reason for his parents' paranoia, simply noting that their behaviour had shocked him and his siblings, presumably. Later that day, Kobe Tromp was found in Yass by a local She was wandering aimlessly around the town in an agitated state. She was hospitalised and assessed as having a fragile mental state. Police, at this stage, were scratching their heads. 
with Senior Officer Sergeant Mark Knight of New South Wales Police, noting it was the most bizarre case he'd come across in 30 years of policing. So we have Kobe and Rihanna recovering in hospital, unable to shed much light on events, and Mitchell and Ella home and well, albeit unable to shed much light on events also. Then the following occurred on Saturday the 3rd of September. To breaking news now, and missing Victorian father Mark Tromp has been found near Wangaratta Airport in northeastern Victoria. Police have confirmed the 51-year-old is dehydrated but okay. He disappeared in bizarre circumstances while on a family road trip to Janolan Caves earlier this week. He's been taken to Wangaratta Police Station. Mark Tromp was located darting around in the backwater streets of Wangaratta near the airport, it was reported. He was in quite a state as well, but was reported to be healthy otherwise. He was healthy enough to give the media the bird when he was released by police several hours after questioning. So the family were all alive and physically well with some obvious mental health concerns. Mitchell and Ella later appeared on television to provide some insight into the reasoning behind the incredibly odd road trip and subsequent behaviours from not just their parents but themselves. They had this to say. Now that everyone's safe, are you able to tell us sort of if there was anything that triggered this on the Monday? You mentioned, you sort of suggested there might have been something that sparked it all the other day. Yeah, there's a, there's a few, there's nothing that I know um, for sure, but there is possible things, but... Um, I can't say at this stage because I don't know. To be, I'm not certain. Um, I believe the police are still looking into or investigating all the details. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us how you came to actually get in the car on that Monday and start off on this trip? I think it's just quite a confusing story. It is very confusing. I still feel confused. Um, it's. I think our state of minds wasn't in the best place. Um, and yeah, I it's can't hard even to explain. Really, yeah. it's, it's, There's it's no bizarre, one reason for it. It's yeah, bizarre. Yeah. Did you, did you both feel that you were in danger at that moment when you left? No, I didn't feel did in you? danger, but um, I just went, had, to, had to go with the family because I wanted to see where they were, they were going. Um, I couldn't leave them, but yeah. It was, uh, it was tough to see your family like that and I've never seen anyone like it but the main thing is they're, they're okay now, um, everyone's safe, everyone's well so we can just go back to, to being to the family again. Yeah, yeah. back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> so not a whole lot of explanations going on there but many we can certainly speculate on. And we'll get to that part shortly because, really, that's all there is in this case, speculation as to what and why. But the Trump family, I mean, these are real seemingly salt-of-the-earth good people. Many who knew them were shocked by the bizarre trip and unfolding of events. Mark Trump's brother was a local police officer in Mombolk who helped with the search. He was no doubt stunned. Kobe and Rihanna recovered in hospital. Mark, Mitchell and Ella returned home. The family were relieved to be reunited after the strange trip and media circus thereafter. Mitchell in particular was jumping for joy when his father was found. He was looking forward to giving his dad a a big hug and enjoying Father's Day with him. Mitchell had regrets for being the first to leave his family. He thought it was the best idea at the time. as He'd had enough of whatever was going on, the paranoia of it all, we can ascertain. 
But in hindsight, he stated he wished he'd stayed with them and, and talked to them and tried to get them all to come back home. It was initially suggested that the family may have been suffering from a group delusional schizophrenia, but Mitchell denied this claim. Mark Trump came out and offered an apology for the hurt and concern caused by the bizarre interstate dalliance. He released the following statement. In recent days, my family has been through a difficult period. We will soon be reunited together and I hope that we will begin to make sense of our ordeal and return to a normal life. I am conscious of the burden that these events have placed upon our extended family, friends and the community resources devoted to our aid. Without reservation, I apologise for the hurt and concern caused by these events. On behalf of our family, I express our deep gratitude to the Victoria and New South Wales Police, as well as the healthcare professionals who have looked after our physical and mental well-being. More than anything, my family and I need time to recover and receive appropriate assistance, including mental health services. To this end, we request the media organisations respect our request for privacy. As far as we can tell, the family did get that privacy and made a full recovery. Rihanna did a Woman's Day interview sometime later, and in attempting to explain events, she used words to the effect of, they all began to think the same, a few things built up and they got sick in some way. Neighbours to the Tromps were stuck for words when the press sought their opinions. They thought of the family, and Mark Tromp in particular, as a hard-working, devoted sort of bunch of people, and the type who'd pop over for a cuppa and say good day. They were focused and passionate people. There was no real reason for what had occurred. Mitchell spoke to some media outlets in the time after, and he couldn't explain it either, but he didn't seem to share the same sense of danger that, say, his father Mark did when they got in the car and took off. Mitchell said, I just had to go with the family because I wanted to see where they were going. I couldn't leave them, he said. But yeah, it was tough to see your family like that. And I've never seen anyone like it. But the main thing is they're doing okay now. Everyone is safe. Everyone is well. So we can go back to being the family again. As things calmed, the Tromps went back to normal everyday life on the Red Current Farm, albeit with a reduced presence with all of the attention they were getting. They took down their website and stopped offering the pick-your-own-berries tours to the public. Ella was charged with car theft, but those charges were later withdrawn with the understanding of the vehicle's owner. So now, the only question left is, why did this happen? What caused the Trump family to take this bizarre trip? up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Now we get two theories, which is all speculation as we have no confirmation from either the Trump family members or police as to the cause or genesis of this strange turn of events. The first theory was stress relating to the renovations the family had going on at the home. Had these renos caused the rubber band to pull so tight that it had simply snapped? 
Neighbours seems to think so. Uh, that was, uh, you know, the the, the build-up of normal daily pressures and struggles, probably finances woven in there, had perhaps caused the family's simmering concerns to boil over and manifest in this panic. The stress of farming and running a second business was also poised as a theory for the road trip. The farming season was upon them after all, all of the family around lending a hand to try and ensure the crop wouldn't fail. The farming season was upon them after all, all of the family around lending a hand to try and ensure the crop wouldn't fail, had this pressure, alongside running the earth-moving business, stressed the family even further. Perhaps that ties in with the renovation side of things too, needing the money to fulfil loan repayments on that. Thirdly, and leading on from that point, there was a theory that perhaps the Tromps weren't paranoid at all and there were some bad people out to get them. Some folks even suggested that they'd borrowed money, whether it was for the renovations or other reasons, from the wrong people, bad people. And when you think about the financial and business documents found by police upon initially visiting the premises, that certainly sounds like a plausible theory. And where there's talk of money and deals, drugs are often thrown into the mix. On some forums, there was certainly this theory bandied about, some sort of connection with illicit substances. I would have thought there'd been evidence discovered to corroborate that if it was the case. As far as we know, there wasn't. Another theory painting the family in a similar dark light is that this whole thing was just an elaborate money-making hoax. Media deals and payment for exclusive stories can certainly be a lucrative avenue, and some people suggested this was the case. If the family was experiencing some financial difficulty, then this whole thing could have been manufactured for a sweet deal. There were suggestions of uh, the going price for the exclusive story on what had transpired sitting at some quarter of a million dollars. We know Rihanna did do a Women's Day interview at some point, but as far as we know, there was no big TV interview deal struck up. So again, this is an interesting theory, and if they had done the media circuit or even a big nightly current affairs exclusive tell-all, the theory might have some legs. But on face value, it doesn't seem to be the case. Because if you look at what happened to the family, there didn't look like much thought or planning had gone into anything. It did all seem quite random. Carbon monoxide poisoning was also suggested by some sources, and tying in with that, other suggestions of chemicals on the farm, possibly altering the family's minds, perhaps even some fungal or spore-related madness. Again, I think anything contributory on that front, and... You know, to, to all family members, with the exception of Mitchell, perhaps, I think there would have been some trace of that, particularly with two of the family members being hospitalised. You think certain tox screens, etc., would have been conducted when assessing them. And lastly, we get to what appears to be the most popular theory out there, and that's a thing called folie du, which is French for madness of two. There's variations of this. And in this instance, I suppose they'd be referring to a family, which I think um, was uh, folie en famille. Evidence supporting the aforementioned theories, chemical, debts, etc., ruled out by the police, but they didn't offer any further commentary on that. So the angle of mental health was talked about a lot, and it was quite clear that members of the family were presenting with issues in this realm. Folie du is essentially shared psychosis, where people in close relationships can take on one another's beliefs, paranoias, etc., shared delusions, basically, and these can be transferred to those who are super-duper close. This seems to be the most popular theory, and the Trump family's road trip even has a mention on the Wikipedia page of uh, Folie du. 
As such, the case is often compared to many others which fall into this category. In May 2008, there were a pair of twins in Sweden, Ursula and Sabina Eriksson, were said to have individually jumped in front of oncoming traffic, both getting hit, surviving, but having traumatic injuries. Sabina was said to be the secondary sufferer of the madness of two to the primary case of whatever her sister Ursula was suffering. But upon release from hospital, Sabina actually went on to stab a man to death. So not sure about that being in any way similar to what the Trumps went through if they did indeed experience the same thing. Ian Brady and Myra Hindley, notorious British child killers at the centre of the infamous Moores murders, were said to be another example of the madness of two, with Hindley taking on many of Brady's philosophies pertaining to racism and fascism. Again, I think we're all influenced by people we are with, so not sure that really constitutes a shared madness in that case, even though they both went on to do terrible things. There's many more examples out there of this condition, and to me it doesn't sound like something that's very easy to diagnose. There's so many variables. The Parker Hume murder case from New Zealand The teenage perpetrators in that case were also put forward as examples. And the case of the Gibbon twins, June and Jennifer, who were from Wales and became known as the Silent Twins. Both of these cases are also mentioned in the same sense. And really, all that's left after this is pure speculation, Chloe. Alien abduction. A few bright sparks have jokingly mentioned this online. I don't feel we need to dive into any of that. But as far as the Trump family road trip goes... That's it. That's the story, but the mystery still remains. From our point of view, though, it's you know, it's nice to discuss something that doesn't have a gruesome end. And I think I speak for us uh, both in saying that we hope the Trumps have all moved on and are back to being themselves, living peaceful lives. So all the best to them. Your thoughts on this one, Chloe? Yeah, well, I guess firstly, like you just said, I hope whatever was happening at the time that the family got the support they needed and moved past this. Like we said a few times, they seem like good people and their actions didn't seem usual. It seemed to be that it was a result of stress of some sort, no matter the theory you're inclined to believe. I'm sure we can all agree that we keep on pushing and pushing through times that are so stressful that your body has physically done things because it just can't cope. You know, when you get sick after being through something really stressful or a really busy time or develop an eye twitch, which I have now had on and off for the past five weeks. Um, To me, this seems like a psychological version of that, extreme stress that pushed a family to the edge. And in terms of which of the speculative theories I kind of lean towards, I've read a lot about shared delusions in the past. I remember learning about it at uni and becoming so interested in it for a while. Sometimes things like that just get me so intrigued when our brain either does something to protect us or shuts down because we are doing things to ourselves that it is just too much to handle. I just find that incredible. And I know that it isn't uncommon for someone who lives with someone who is experiencing delusions to begin to take them on and to share them. So, yeah, in theory, it's possible that one person in the family may have been experiencing some kind of mental health issue related to that, and over a period of time, the other members adopted the same point of view. But regardless, I come back to my original comment. I hope the family is doing okay now, and whatever the stressor was, if there was one, has been dealt with and they have gotten back to their lives. What about you, Sean? Absolutely. I think that's the main, probably the main overarching point is that they're all okay now and and uh, and have moved on. I, when you get to the speculation of it, I'm a bit different. I'm not so much into the family madness theory as I am the 
the stress finances bandwagon. Uh, and I suppose that could be an offshoot of that, uh, supplementary to that. You know, money can do strange things to people. And I'm more inclined to think of the logical stuff as being the catalyst here and not some kind of transmitted paranoia between the family members. I think perhaps the folks, Mark and Kobe, maybe they'd overextended themselves financially, perhaps sought help outside of the regular channels and maybe had had gotten some indication that this wasn't going to pan out well, maybe a threat or a veiled threat. I could easily see good, honest people, family people who don't mix in those kind of circles getting quite a scare if there was a sudden danger to themselves and their children. And from there, I can certainly see from that point, you know, a bit of a self-perpetuating fear and paranoia setting in and making its way through the family to some extent. I think if you factor those those financial and business documents that were strewn around, you know, the Renaults, two businesses going on combined with, you know, you know the, the very little talking done by the family afterwards too, the lack of police involvement and commentary in that. I think if there'd been some something that was identifiable in the mental health realm, um, maybe or maybe not, there might have been more said about that. Um, but uh, that's my two cents anyway. And as we said, you know, the, the, the lingering feeling is, uh, you know, that we both hope the Trumps are all doing well nowadays. Yeah, definitely. Well, we haven't done this in a few weeks, so you've got to have a happy thought. Um, what's your happy thought this week, Sean? I do, and it's simple. I got new golf clubs, which I had not done for 20 years. So uh, they, were, <laughs> they were overdue. The leaps and bounds in technology, even in golf clubs since that, since that time was uh, amazing. So I was able to get those um, and and give them a hit uh, with the golf courses reopening. So that was that was nice. And that is my happy thought for the past couple of weeks. What about you? Nice. Um, mine is that in all the horrible times that have been happening across the world in the last couple of weeks, it's really affected me. And I'm so grateful that there are people of colour out there that are spending their time sharing information and resources with people. A few that I'm loving and that I'd like to amplify are Stevie and Tay on Instagram, Illyria Potter, and Marley Silver and Keely Silver from Titters for Titters. Titters means sister, and there is a podcast they have about deadly Indigenous women. And they also have a social media platform that highlights Indigenous female excellence. I'm just filled with so much hope and gratitude to people like them who have a voice and spend their time helping me be a better ally. I just don't think we can ask for anything more. Um and, yeah, on that note, um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at truebluecrime at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, which is called True Blue Crime-Podcast, or you can find us on Instagram by searching True Blue Crime. If you'd like to support the show, you can head over to our Patreon page. The link is in the show notes. For $5 per month, you can support the current free content we make on the main feed and get our bonus monthly Blue Label episodes. We have an episode out now, a Murder Lounge episode, uh, talking about recent crime news. We discuss a, a child sex ring bust that the AFP have recently conducted, and we chat about uh, the creepy theory surrounding an Aussie master bushman named the Button Man and a number of uh, disappearances up in Victoria's high country. We'll be back next week with episode number 50, a big case for you all, one that will keep our, our Western Australian listeners happy close. So that's going to be good. We'll catch you all then. Bye. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 